ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good morning, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and we have a really important topic uh, today, and it, it's an unusual one for this show because we don't normally talk about career conflict and, and the emotional side of work. Uh, but we have with us Susan Schmidt Winchester, and she has written a book called Healing at Work, a guide to using career conflicts to overcome your past and build the future that you deserve. And Susan, uh, welcome back. We have we have talked in the past, and I am just so excited to dive into this with you. Tell us a little bit about your backstory. Sure. Chicky, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. So a little bit about my backstory. If you were to look at my resume, you would say, you know, that's a pretty impressive resume. I've been a human resources professional leader, executive uh, now going on uh, 34 plus years. And I've had an opportunity to work in some amazing Fortune 500 companies. But what people often don't know is that what really fueled my career success was an unconscious limiting belief I had about myself that I was not good enough. And, you know, so if I go back to my real backstory growing up, and, and by the way, this isn't about blaming parents or anything of that nature at all. Um, I think our parents do the best they can. However, my dad um, had some real issues with rage, an unpredictable rage. And, um, and, and now, you know, as an adult, I can look back and realize he had his own childhood trauma. But the impact on me was a belief that it was my fault when he would get angry. And so I would navigate my, my environment to the best of my ability to create a sense of safety by becoming a, you know, like an extremely effective people pleaser and a perfectionist, you know, so if I can just be perfect, you know, the good little girl, maybe he won't rage and scream and yell. And so the way that translated is I didn't realize, you know, after I went to college and graduate school and started my corporate career, uh, I had no idea how much that past actually was unconsciously influencing a lot of my behavior in the workplace. And that's essentially what led to the creation and partnership with Martha Finney, my co-author, the book Healing at Work, which is really intended to be um, a way of thinking that the workplace is actually a place for using conflict to your earlier point, bumper car moments. That's what Martha and I call them. Like when you crash into one another at work, right. that can set off a whole series of emotional triggers that launches us back into our past beliefs about ourselves. And, you know, so how do we manage those moments much more effectively than how, unfortunately I did for like 30 of my 34 years, <laughs> you know? uh, people pleaser, perfectionist, Etc. So that that's a little bit about me and, and the journey so far. Well, I love uh, the metaphor of the bumper cars. And, you know, the the interesting thing. Uh, well, first of all, th that was one of the things about the book that jumped out at me because I love the cover, which actually has the bumper cars uh, at the top. And, you know, one of the nuances of that that photo. Uh, well, it's not a photo. It's a, a, a the art uh, on your cover art um, mm -hmm. is the 
the bumper cars are two different colors. And, and I know that that's not by mistake, right? That we bring everything with us, right? Into that, that bumper car arena, right? And, and we've all been there uh, at, at a fair or, you know, even at Bush Gardens, they've, they've got uh, a bumper car uh, track where you get in the bumper car and you just want to have fun, right? You know, maybe you've got your kid with you or, or maybe you're just being a, a kid yourself, right? And you get in and you just want to have fun. And there's always someone who always. is in there who just wants <laughs> to ram everybody. And, and that that is actually wildly hysterical to them, right? And the person who doesn't want to be hit Right. And, and who who is guarded, maybe they, you know, had whiplash, you know, uh, another time on, on the track. Right. And they're anticipating that. Right. It, it impacts their ability to have fun. Right. And this happens at work all the time. And if anyone is aggressive, they are seen to be that person who is out to to you know, really damage other people uh, when quite often that actually isn't what's happening at all. But the, the way it's received is that way. Uh, so I am I'm truly fascinated by this because uh, and I think you and I talked about this before. Uh, I happened to grow up in just an amazing family. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have an angry father. I, yeah, I mean, my parents were very, very loving. In fact, my dad was a pastor and my mother was the organist at the church and, and the music director, and they were unconditional love embodied. So my first encounter with any level of dysfunction was in the workplace. Yep. Well, that's because the research shows, unfortunately, that two thirds of us, nearly two thirds of us, have come from a dysfunctional past, you know, so you're lucky you're in that one third of people who didn't experience negative adverse childhood events. And, but the reality is the, the CDC and Kaiser Permanente did a study a number of years ago where they discovered, uh, they talked to 17,000 American adults and asked them if they'd experienced one of 10 adverse childhood events. And, and those are pretty severe things. The, right. You know, and so the reality is, is that you're going to crash into people just because of the nature of so many of us experience yes. some of those that affect how we show up at work. Yes, well, absolutely. And, and again, it, it doesn't make us uh, uh, better. And in some ways we are ill prepared. Right. So I had never seen anger yep. in my home. Right. I, I and back in those days, TV, you know, you didn't see things on TV that showed you what real life was like, right? So I was completely stunned by it. And, and I will say even today, when I encounter someone who has dealt with trauma as a child, I am still ill-prepared to handle that because I, I can't put myself in their shoes. And, and so that's a flaw in my own style, right? That, that I'm having to figure out how to deal with. So I think the timing of this discussion is so perfect for me. And, you know, I know that uh, you have had some experience in the marketplace with the book. And I would love, before we dive into the book itself, I'd love to hear about your experiences of how the book has impacted. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about who did you write it for? Right. And then talk to me about the impact and, and the feedback that you've gotten. 
Sure. Well, I wrote it for the two thirds of us that experienced at least one, you know, childhood trauma. And by the way, I never would have thought of my childhood as trauma related until I took the survey. Uh-huh. Now, I fall in the category of experiencing four or more, four uh, or more of the 10 adverse childhood experiences. So the book's really written for people who have come from a dysfunctional past. Right. Who in their careers and oftentimes our professionals, uh, a lot of executives also relate highly, you know, high achieving people um, often come from a dysfunctional past uh, because they're overachievers. They're, you know, they're all, all the traits that, that come from underlying limiting beliefs about ourselves. I can't do it right. I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. And so I really am writing it for primarily professionals and executives who come from a dysfunctional past. But what I've discovered on this journey is that many people like you come to me and say, you know, I didn't experience any of those things, but I, I have some limiting beliefs about myself, or I'm working with people that are causing a lot of headache for me and I need to understand it better. And so the audience has become much bigger than I expected is it's not just for the two thirds of us, but it's really for everybody. Particularly oh, yeah. For- no, I, I think that that is so true. And, and again, um, you were sharing before uh, we got on the air about uh, the business school uh, graduates, right? And, and what's happening with them is they're coming in, they're getting this great education, hopefully a leg up over people who did a bachelor's degree. And, and they're entering the workplace feeling like they don't have enough or aren't enough. And so I, I think those of us who who didn't experience that and aren't adept at dealing with it, we need it every bit as much. So um, share with me uh, a little bit about the, the specific feedback that you've gotten about the book. Well, I had the opportunity last summer to work with Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, the series, the co-author of that series, which of course was highly successful. And, uh, and he said that of all the books he's read, hundreds of books that he's read, he put my book in his top five favorite, which was just such a huge honor. And uh, I've been fortunate to be able to, to use some of his, um, his comments on, on our new cover, where he really talks about this is such a needed book for the world right now. So that was a huge uh, honor to, to have that endorsement from That's him. amazing. And then I think I'd mentioned that... Um, uh, I just, you know, through a professional connection, but then on a personal basis, ended up connecting with a, a man, an amazing man named Dr. Mark Rittenberg, who is uh, on uh, the, the team at the Berkeley Haas Business School. He teaches, he's one of the teachers, professors for the MBA and executive MBA students. He got so excited about healing at work that now uh, all of the Berkeley uh, business MBA students and EMBA students are reading chapter five, which is why the workplace is a lab for emotional healing. And uh, also partnering with him to create a syllabus to potentially Mm -hmm. teach collective course at Berkeley for the business school on applying the concepts from healing at work. He feels that, you know, one of the greatest needs that people have when they come to the the business school is, is, is addressing the underlying limiting beliefs that they have about themselves. They have everything else, super bright, incredibly talented coming from the best schools. And, uh, and he saw this as a gap filler uh, to help him build the future leaders of, of, the, of the world, essentially. Well, I love that. So you use a term in the book, uh, AD or ASDP, 
And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned that you wouldn't have even thought that you were one. So, so what the heck is an ASDP? ASDP stands for adult survivor of a damaged past. And uh, when Martha and I were writing the book, we, we thought we need, we need a name. We need to name ourselves something. And, uh, you know, there's a term out there, ACOA, adult children of alcoholics, but we thought that was too narrow. We wanted yeah. a broad term to, to really reach out and speak to many of us that have come from a, a dysfunctional background. And the, the concept is that we're now adults, but we don't even realize sometimes how much we're carrying the heartache from our childhood with us. That's the A is the adult. Uh, and as adults, we can make different choices, which is basically what we teach in the book. Uh, S is survivor. You know, we, we've experienced things from the past that, that are, were intense, that affected our central nervous system, how our brain works. But we have an opportunity to leverage that resilience that comes with being a survivor and actually reshape the neural pathways in our brains. We use the science of neuroplasticity to, to enable people to find ways to, to really rethink their responses at work. Uh, ASD is the damage that's the coming from a dysfunctional past, but it is the past. And the, the last, you know, the last piece of that is the past is that that did happen and we can have a very different future. Martha and I use a, a, a phrase, the rest of your life is yours. Damage is not doomed. In other words, we can reshape our brain to have different responses and the rest of our life is ours. And that's the concept of ASDP is it, it's really to en encapsulate all the strength and, um, you know, the compassion and the empathy and the ability to, to read the dynamic of any room, because we learn how to do that as kids. Um, how do we leverage that and actually create a completely different set of beliefs about ourselves, as well as different responses, particularly in those bumper car moments? Right. And so you talked about the workplace being a lab for emotional healing. If, if you come into a company or into a situation and, you know, again, it's like coming out onto the, the bumper car track, you don't know why the other people are there and you don't know what they have come from. And so how can it be a lab for emotional healing if you aren't controlling the situation? Yeah, there's so many reasons why the workplace is an amazing laboratory for emotional healing. We don't have time to go into all the details, but Dr. Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology, wrote a book called Flourish. And in his book, he talks about five ingredients to flourishing. He has an acronym, PERMA. P stands for positive emotion. Um, let's see, PE is engagement, R is relationships, M is meaning, and A is achievement. All of those things can be um, experienced in the workplace. You know, so the positive emotion, you get hired for the job. You, you were selected over everybody. There's so right. many ways positive emotion. Engagement, we were talking before the, the discussion, how companies have to change and create much more engaging experiences for people. And so there's so much investment being done by organizations to create more engaging, more positive employee experiences in the workplace. That's another reason. Um, the ability to have relationships with people we would never have otherwise as a result of the um, meaning, you know, many companies have a greater purpose. My company is all about making possible a better future. Our jobs have meaning. And then finally, achievements. We can achieve all kinds of things. 
However, I think the greatest reason why the workplace is a lab for emotional healing is because it's full of, full of those bumper car moments. <laughs> Every time we crash into somebody or someone crashes into us or in our own brains we're crashing around is an opportunity to practice new responses. I feel like I lived 30 years of my career on the unconscious wounded career path. That is not a good place to be. Uh, and what we're teaching in the book and using conflict is how do you step onto the conscious healing career path? And you use those bumper car moments. We, we deconstruct a bumper car moment and we teach people the thinking of conscious healing responses versus unconscious wounded responses. And so there's just a lot of practice time in the workplace that as soon as I get emotionally triggered, I think to myself, uh-oh, bumper car moment, what's going on? How much of my unconscious past is influencing my response, how I'm feeling about myself, how I'm reacting, how much anxiety I'm having, you know, in the past, how much alcohol was I consuming to take the edge off of all that. Uh, Bumper car moments are the opportunities and we tend to avoid conflict. We want to avoid conflict. Uh, There's a wonderful book. I'm not going to remember the name of the author right now called Discord, which is all about leveraging conflict for benefit, for positive outcomes. And so in the book, that's what Martha and I do is we take a number of typical workplace scenarios that can create conflict (laughs) and uh, deconstruct it and teach people a process, a three-step process for navigating differently in the moment of those bumper car moments. And so give us uh, examples of, of the bumper car moments you might run into. Oh my goodness. Um, I'll use one of my own, although I, I could use many t- describing colleagues and, and, and fellow people that I work with. Um, but so this goes back a, a few years. I was going through a period where we were in, in the company going through a strategy process. And that particular week, there was a lot of focus on talent, of course, because of everything with the pandemic and the war on talent and the great resignation. And there were several comments made by um, one of my colleagues throughout the week that felt somewhat negative about our work in the talent space, which of course is my field. And by the third day of this meeting, I was getting emotionally triggered thinking, my, my thinking, my old thinking was, uh-oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm, I'm a bad HR leader. You know, all these negative emotional reactions were going on in my head. So this person didn't even realize he was creating a bumper car moment for me. And by the third night, we were getting ready for my team's presentation the next morning. I was a basket case. I was stressed. I was anxious. I was tearful, you know, feeling poorly. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to process this because I cannot be effective tomorrow when I have to present. So I went through my three-step process. I call it the rapid power reclaim. And step number one is about creating choice. So when we're emotionally triggered, and we're stuck in that fight, flight, or um, fight, flight, or freeze mode. I freeze. We are in our reptilian brain. We cannot, we cannot access our prefrontal cortex to be able to make good executive decisions. And so the very first step in creating choice is to process the physiological response. And there are several different ways to do that. Uh, in this particular case, I took a pillow and just started beating on the bed, all the emotion, getting it out of me, yelling, screaming, processing whatever I was feeling just getting all of that out of my body. We cannot have choice when we're stuck in an adrenaline warp. That's not a good place. The second step is uh, elevating action. And so if I I had not had a specific strategy for how I was going to elevate my action in the morning, I was not going to be effective. And so what I did is I took a post-it note, you know, a pink post-it note, 
And on it, I wrote, this colleague is not your dad. Uh, your team has done a great job creating this strategy. You have options. You know, you're, you've got lots of options. Right. And I just put that little pink sticky note under my camera on my computer the next day. And we had an amazing experience. The presentation could not have gone better. And the last step of the process is called celebrate and integrate. So once you've elevated your action, you've got to take time to really appreciate that response and celebrate it. And I have had to learn how to celebrate because I'm not very good at it. We, we, there's lots of strategies to do that. But in the act of celebrating, we start to integrate it into our identity. That's how we change those neural pathways. Right. And so that's one example of using that rapid power reclaim rather than getting triggered, staying stuck, feeling emotional, feeling defensive, feeling inept. You know, it's changing state essentially and then celebrating it to integrate it into our identities. Well, Susan, uh, I can tell that there is so much more that we could dig into here. Uh, we have been talking to Susan Schmidt Winchester, and uh, she and Martha Finney wrote this incredible book, Healing at Work, A Guide to Using Career Conflicts to Overcome Your Past and to Build the Future that You Deserve. And again, uh, being someone who did not come from that past, I can tell you that if if you have people around you who are going through some of the things that it's Susan described, reading this book can actually uh, be an incredible tool for you. And I encourage uh, all leaders to uh, get a copy of this book and have it as a resource, uh, you know, have it be one of your top five books like Jan Jack Canfield. Susan, thank you so much for your time. And I, I just am, am so grateful uh, for you for sharing your own experiences and being transparent uh, about how to, how to come out on the other side, because you're right, the rest of your life is yours. That's exactly right. Thank you, Chickie. And if, if uh, listeners are interested, they can find me at Susan J. Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-T-T dot com. And uh, also on my website, I have a link to get the free chapter five, what, how, the, how the workplace is a lab for emotional healing. And of course, you can find the book on Amazon. It's the, like, like you said, the two bumper cars facing off. That's the book. Perfect. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Oh, 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 oh,